This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, September 30th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks to everyone who supports public radio with your contributions. If you haven't done so yet, you can always go to supportkuaf.com. We support our knowledge of what's going on in the world when we talk with Michael Tilley every week. He's joining us by phone from his office in Fort Smith. Michael, uh, plenty to dig into, including some uh, pretty new jobless uh, numbers for Arkansas that present on surface good news, but you say when you break it down, it it shows something that's of concern. Yeah, it. Um, yeah, I don't want to make too much of the concern, but yes, um, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics reported uh, this week uh, metro areas around the country the jobless rates, job number numbers. Um, of course, Northwest Arkansas continues to lead with job growth at. Just under 13,000 new jobs added year over year between the August 2021 and Uh Central Arkansas added um, just a little, just a little under 7,600 jobs, I should say. And the Fort Smith Metro uh, added about uh, just under 2,400 jobs. So, and there are eight metro areas in or connected to Arkansas. Um, and so of those, those three I just mentioned, Northwest Arkansas, Central, and Fort Smith, uh, accounted for 81% of the, to- the statewide job growth uh, in August, between, between, you know, between August 21 and August 22. And that, that's an impressive number. You know, if you're, in the, if you're rooting for one of those three metro areas, I guess, um, but it also kind of it continues, and eighty-one percent is not an unusual number. It's it's between seventy, seventy-five, eighty percent. It range it it ranges in that area and has for some time. But it reflects, uh, unfortunately, kind of this growing divide between where jobs are created and where they're not in Arkansas. And so, you know, any healthy state economy, you would want broad distribution in terms of job growth and uh, we, we just don't have that in Arkansas. Even more interesting is Northwest Arkansas, the almost 13,000 jobs created reflects uh, 40, around 46%, almost half of the total job growth in Arkansas uh, between August 21 and August 22. So again, good for Northwest Arkansas and those other metro, two metro areas, but ideally at some point in the future, we'll see a little bit uh, we'll, we'll see some, some better distribution of job job numbers. Well, you mentioned job creation in Fort Smith. Does that tie into the latest sales tax returns for the city, which are up more than 10%? Well, it doesn't hurt, obviously. I still think inflation is kicking in a majority of those gains. But, yeah, um, the city's portion, Fort Smith's portion of the Sebastian County sales tax in August, it was just a little $2 million up over 11% compared with, with August of 21. For the first eight reporting months of the year, the tax generated uh, $15.5 million, which is almost 13% higher uh, than last year. And again, last year's numbers were you know, off the charts. Um, the city street tax, 1% street tax, uh, it's generated for the first eight reporting months. It's generated uh, $19 million, and that's up 10.2% for the year. And again, last year was pretty hot. Um, I think um, you ask kind of what's causing that. And I I think inflation is a big part of that. Consumers are still confident. And I was kind of trying to poke around internet, look for some of the economists I follow to kind of give you a better answer. There's really a mixed sentiment on what's ahead uh, what's causing it and what's ahead. You know, inflation continues to be persistent. That's going to drive up tax revenue gains, not just in Arkansas, but or, or in the city or in Arkansas, but around the country. But at the same time, we've, we've seen recent consumer confidence reports are returning to positive numbers, which is kind of counterintuitive. But then on the other hand, you've got credit card debt that's increasing, which typically kind of points to lack of consumer confidence. But then on the other hand, you have job numbers continuing to be strong. So uh, I sure as hell wouldn't want to be the guy having to report to the president or a governor about what the economy is going to do next. 
you just summed up how I always don't understand <laughs> the economy by, on the other hand, that is always how I think yeah, of it. Yeah, I know it. On the other hand, but. Well, wasn't it President Truman that said he just, he wanted to hire a one-handed economist? <laughs> right, so right. Never be able to say, well, on the other hand. So. Speaking of, of people talking about what, you're thinking about you want to revisit something we discussed last week when there was this public meeting about um you know changes at Ford Chaffee. We have listeners, we love listeners, and some reached out to you. Yeah, so and I think um they did and they and rightfully so. I think I was clumsy when I talked about the noise issue related to these F thirty fives that if this um foreign military pilot training center does come to Fort Smith, which all signs point to the fact that it will beginning next year, um, or that the decision will come down next year. Um, I, when we talked about the noise, my, um, take was that the noise is not going to be a problem because for the decision, because the jets are going to be noisy wherever they go. I, I should have re I should have said that better. The noise will be a problem for people who live in the area. It's a legitimate issue. It's a legitimate complaint. If you live in that noise zone to the east and west of the airport, of uh, the runway, I don't want to dismiss anyone's concern because it will be an issue. Um, and I think the Air Force recognizes that it'll be an issue. They've encouraged the city to issue a building moratorium, which the city did. They've widened the noise impact area. And so, and it'll be interesting to see what this final, this environmental impact statement, when it comes out, what it says about noise. But the the thing about the noise, I don't think it's a deal killer. But like I said, because the nets, are, the jets are going to be noisy wherever they go. But I do not want to come across as dismissive of anyone who may not like the noise. I gotcha. I get it. It's going to be noisy. Finally, it's been about 30 months since the city of Fort Smith took some flags down. These were flags that represented the different governing entities of the the city and the region since, you know, late in the 17th century. There have been rulings that they've got to go back. Maybe not. The latest from uh, Sebastian County Circuit Judge Gunnar DeLay says, no, the city does not have to put up the flags, right? Right. Well, right. For now, Um so I think there are a couple of – the primary factor, though – well, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> Part of this, you know, the the flag – the display was removed um, before the law was enacted. And so that's that's been a complicating factor. This being the law um, that said you couldn't remove the statues or historical markers. Yes, sir. Yeah. The, 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 the Historical Monument Protection Act – which the very heavily dominated Republican legislature passed when they saw other uh, these statues, these Confederate statues primarily, or maybe only, being pulled down in these other states and cities, and um, they said, "Well, we're not going to we're going to put this act in place to make sure you can't do that." And and the city of Fort Smith was not. It, it said in a memo way back then that the Confederate States of America flag that was part of the flag display, um, they, you know, they didn't like it. They didn't want it there because they said it represented a time that was, um, well, I, I don't, I, everyone understands the politics of that. So they took it down. Fort Smith attorney Joey McCutcheon has been dogging them ever since, um, suing them to force them to get it, to, to reinstate the display. Um, but finally, it's gone back and forth. The city initially lost a circuit court decision. Um, that went to the historical, the um, uh, Arkansas Historic Commission. The Historic Commission ruled against the city somewhat, but but only in saying that. Uh, but what they didn't do is they didn't say you have to reinstall the display. And so the city took that back and and they had another hearing on it and. Uh, Judge DeLay um, said, well, you're right. The law does not require the flag display to be put back up. Joey McCutcheon has threatened to appeal, and typically when he says he's going to appeal, he does. So I don't think we've heard the last of this. All right. Stay tuned. Michael Tilley, 
and his colleagues cover all of these issues and many more at talkbusiness.net. Michael, thanks, as always, for your time, and beat Bama. Yeah, oh gosh, yes, let's do that. (laughs) Thanks. KUAF is supported by Dr. Kathleen Wong, a psychiatrist providing infusion therapy for treatment of depression and anxiety disorders. Following NIMH protocol, infusion therapy is an effective alternative when other treatments fail. Dr. Kathleen Wong, WebMD, for more information. Downtown Springdale announces a special concert featuring Jenny Flenner and Friends, an all-star bluegrass band. Members of the band include Josh Martin, Johnny Meyer, Jason Horde, and Barry Bells. This concert takes place at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks, Friday, October 7th, 7 to 9 p.m. Information and tickets at downtownspringdale.org. An update to a story we've been following. A plan to build a 200-acre luxury glamping site to accommodate hundreds of campers called Contentment on Beaver Lake was rejected last week during a third hearing of the Benton County Planning Board. The proposed campground would feature platform tents, covered wagons, cabins, a lodge, pavilions, outdoor lighting, parking lots, a swimming pool, and a bathhouse. Water would have been supplied and treated on site. A lawyer for the developer, Gene Nicholas, assured the board the project would be compatible compatible with existing surrounding land use. But Larry McCready, an attorney representing a local property owner, disagreed. I don't really think this is a campground. The, the memorandum I submitted before the last meeting, this I went back and I looked, I pulled a quote, and I said in there, it's the plans for future build-out that make clear this project's not a campground, but rather a full-blown resort. Residents living adjacent to and across the bay from the planned resort said they were worried it would create nuisance traffic, fire threats, trespassing on private property, and other problems. Officials with Beaver Water District also expressed opposition to the resort development due to proximity to the district's water treatment intake system. The Benton County Planning Board voted unanimously to oppose the clamping development. The University of Arkansas Theater Department is premiering a new play tonight, This Bitch, Esta Sangre Quiero, from MFA student and playwright Adrian Dawes. Dawes explains that her inspiration for the modern adaptation of a 17th century Spanish play came from a Spanish language class she took during her first semester at the University of Arkansas. So I enrolled in this class. It was like mostly graduate Spanish students, and we were going to do a production of uh, Lope de Vega's El Perro del Hortelano which was like 1618, uh, very much uh, like a rom-com, love triangles. This Countess Diana, who is not supposed to be in love with someone of lower status. I'd never heard of Lope de Vega, even though he's like really huge in Latin America and other parts of the world. He is a contemporary of Shakespeare. It was 2019. It made me laugh out loud. This play is over 400 years old. And I just thought, wow, this has this centers on a female character who has so much power and agency and she's quite cruel to her servants, which is kind of um, very funny to me. So I started thinking, okay, this, I could see this as a modern play. How would I translate this story into like a modern era? And I knew I really wanted to have a lot of really strong female characters. That's something that carried over from the original. I knew it would be sort of a zany comedy with lots of really quick entrances and exits and mistaken identity and really like lewd sexual humor, I knew was going to be a part of it. That's also true in the original, just totally different time period. But a lot of what the play looks at is like poking fun at these hierarchies. Why is it that the nobility can only marry other people of you know that status? Why couldn't a countess be with her servant? And in today's era, I thought, okay, well, the first thing that came to mind was like social media influencers and how clout is sort of a status. It's kind of our modern day version of that hierarchy, whoever has the most followers and power and influence. I started like looking up all these different social media figures and celebrities and like the play now does have some of Lope de Vega's influence. Like some of his sonnets are performed in the original Spanish. One of the songs that's in the play is actually a Lope de Vega sonnet that uh, one of my collaborators just sort of adapted a little bit. So he's very much in the play, but it's very much its own modern thing. That was Adrian Dawes speaking about her new play, This Bitch, Esta Sangre Quiero. You can see the show starting tonight at 7.30 on the University of Arkansas campus. It will run through October 9th. Tickets at theater.uark.edu, and you'll be able to hear a lot more of our conversation with Adrian Dawes on Mondays, Ozarks at Large at noon and 7. KUAF is your source for news and entertainment on the air and in your podcast feed. With podcasts like Ozarks at Large, Resilient Black Women, The Lunch Hour, 
and the R word. You can rely on KUAF to bring you a diverse lineup of culture and news you need whenever you need it. Find our entire lineup of podcasts at KUAF.com slash podcasts. All right. September is ending at midnight, and that means Bo Counts and his crew at Pinpoint in downtown Fayetteville are readying for Halloween. Bo has staged Halloween events for years, beginning with one-night affairs, then expanding to weekends, then long weekends, and now more than a month of monsters, mayhem, and pinball. Bo says he's been fascinated with fall and Halloween his entire life, and he says he loves the camaraderie getting spooked together can create. You band together and, you know, the, it, it's you, you against the darkness and it, it can be exciting, it can be exhilarating, and it can be a, a really great time. All right, so what, what can we expect this October? So Nightmare on Block Street is going to be a month-long celebration of all things spooky. And originally it started as the old beatbox Halloween dance parties. It was a one-night Halloween dance party extravaganza that COVID kind of made us think outside the box. We stretched it to a month-long pop-up bar called Nightmare on Block Street, which takes place at Pinpoint. And it has since just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And this year, it's not even just at Pinpoint. We're doing uh, shows outside of Pinpoint with Billy Chase Goforth, who's producing his Conjuring Another Sin show that's going to be taking place also on Block Street uh, in the location formerly housing the Nines Alley, if you guys remember that space. We've renovated it. It's like a house of curiosities, uh, a lot of real artifacts there. So it's going to be a one-hour spooky show. Tickets are already on sale at ConjuringSeance.com. We've been partnering with Ballet Arkansas out of Little Rock. We're going to bring up a performance of uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. They're performing it down there in Little Rock, bringing it up one weekend only at the Fayetteville Public Library at that new beautiful stage that they've got. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing reservation-only nights on Mondays called Boo Tiki, so you can get those like overly elaborate tiki uh, ceramic mugs and just just way over-the-top stuff that we can't normally do on a busy night that will be a more sit-down, sophisticated, shareable uh, kind of spooky night. And then, of course, we have uh, a blood drive we're working on because, I mean, right. what better time to donate blood uh, willingly, of course. Right, right. And, uh, you know, all that going around our daily Nightmare on Block Street at Pinpoint, which is going to feature a themed menu, themed zones, everything's decorated, and we're going to have all themed pinball machines. You know, we're known for our pinball, but all the pinball are going to be spooky Halloween pinball. So think John Carpenter's Halloween, Dracula, Phantom of the Opera, like all of that. You have enough pinball machines to, to, to fill Pinpoint with... Only spooky games, uh, believe it or not. Like my personal collection, because I love things spooky, I've been collecting for a while, amassing this collection. But also uh, my friends in Tulsa that run the Max, they're going to uh, loan us a Stranger Things and an Elvira House of Horrors. Uh, our buddies over at Locomotion loaning us a Walking Dead. You know, we've got, you know, we're just kind of, uh, it takes a village. And we're, we're curating uh, an experience that is really like no other. When you are there during this month, are you in costume or do you just not have the ability to do that? 31 days of costumes is tough. You know, we usually dress. We have Nightmare on Block Street shirts and we'll dress spooky. But that last week, everybody on staff is just fully decked out. And you'll notice I'm a little hairier than usual. So uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm going to be a werewolf this year. So it, I've been growing, you know, less hair I, or more hair I grow, less I have to glue to my face. And, uh, you know, I, I'm usually the mascot for the menu. So this year's menu is going to be all very werewolf and woods and witchcraft and inspired. So think potions and, and moon phases and all of this kind of fun stuff. Be able to get a drink that has... You know, smoke or... Kyle, you can get a drink in a blood bag, in a syringe, okay. in a bubbling cauldron, in a glow-in-the-dark cup. We've got things that are going to just put a white stripe in your hair. It's so spooky. we got tentacles coming out of a drink. One of our favorites is the Live, Laugh, Lovecraft cocktail. After H.P. Lovecraft. After H.P. Lovecraft. And, uh, yeah, so we've actually been working on a new technology of using dry ice in cocktails that uh, is is very new to the uh, uh, cocktail industry, and we're going to be launching that uh, at Nightmare on Block. Street. So think all the stuff that you see on TV, you can have in your hand. All right. You're preparing for your Wolfman, Werewolf, but do you have a favorite 
monster over all this time? I'm a big universal horror movie fan. Uh, I grew up on those, and they are just – I mean it's just so classic because it captures everything about horror that that is fun for everyone. You know, anybody can sit and enjoy one of those universal classics. You don't have to cover your eyes. You don't have to shield the children. But everybody can still get into that spirit and feel that sort of sense of what it means to enjoy a horror film. Bo Counts is an owner and proprietor of Pinpoint Bar on Block Street and a driving force behind Nightmare on Block Street. The Halloween spirit begins tonight at the bar. This is Ozarks at Large. Support for KUAF comes from Optimum Business, offering products like secure internet with speeds up to 1 gig and 24-7 business customer support. More information at Optimum.com business. Little Wing Productions presents Asleep at the Wheel, Merry Texas Christmas, y'all, at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs, Friday, December 16th, with special guests the Cape Brothers. Tickets go on sale today at tickets.thundertix.com. Support for KUAF also comes from the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal, now featuring accounting and taxes with information on accounting firms, plus local business news from Northwest Arkansas. Subscriptions and information at 725-0394 or nwabusinessjournal.com. This is Ozarks at Large with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Becca Martin-Brown features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I don't know if those are new glasses, but we have seen each other so infrequently over the last couple of years that I love these glasses. Thank you so much. They're the new Elton John look. I like them. I'm back to short hair because I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired. Easier. Yeah. So I hope you're not tired of hearing about theater. No. Because there's more going on. Yes. And this is one that I'm really excited about. And also reticent, as they say in The Music Man. I'm reticent. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Murder on the Orient Express. That's the one I'm reticent about. Okay. I saw this. It's going to be at uh, JBU, right? Mm-hmm. John Brown University. I saw that. And then I saw your notes that said it's Ken Ludwig's adaptation. It is. Now, he's known for these sorts of farces and... and Lend me a tenor, yeah. leading ladies, moon over buffalo. Apparently... As I understand it from reading up about it, the Agatha Christie estate approached him okay. to do an adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express. So is this like tongue-in-cheek, lighthearted? Not, not so far as I know. Okay. Not according to what he also said that I read online. So they start the play apparently with a flashback of the kidnapping. Mm. So no, it's not. Typical Ken Ludwig. Okay. They've reduced the number of characters, which makes sense because there's 12 jurors that make the decision to kill this guy. And I'm a little bit terrified of somebody playing Poirot other than David Suchet, (laughs) but I'm going to go see it because how cool is it? That it's a Ken Ludwig adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express. Well, and I have to admit, when I saw Murder on the Orient Express on stage, it's like, it's an involved big cast, but I see now that they have They have trimmed, they have trimmed okay. that and tried to streamline, what was it? Something that he said was trying to streamline it so that the PowerPoints of the story okay. become clear. 7.30 today and tomorrow... 7.30, October 7th and 8th, 2 o'clock matinee on October 8th okay. at the very nice, very performing arts center on the JBU campus. Tickets are 7 to $16 at jbu.edu tickets. Then also this weekend is the Arts Life Theater production of a brand new script, world premiere, called the Nobody Academy of Misfit Magic, written by an Arts Life alumna, Avery Batson. Mm-hmm. And it's the other wizarding school. If if the rich kids get into Hogwarts, that's gotcha. not exactly right. But if the rich kids get into Hogwarts, this is the other one. This is the safety school for wizards. Yeah. Gotcha. It should be really fun. Seven o'clock today and tomorrow, two and seven on Saturday, two on Sunday at the theater on Sang Avenue. Tickets are 10 and $12. Also this weekend. Mm-hmm. Arkansas Public Theater and Rogers wraps up The Music Man. Super cute production. 8 o'clock today and tomorrow, 2 o'clock Sunday. Tickets start at $25. And Northwest Arkansas Audio Theater is presenting The Taming of the Shrew. Right. 
at 3 o'clock on Saturday at the Fayetteville Public Library. That is free, and it's the last production of that. Then the Faulkner Center announced a main stage season. Yes. And then the first show in the main stage season set down. They were supposed to open the season October 4th with the Cirque Rivera Dance Theater. Right. Technical difficulties are keeping that from happening. So they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Okay. But on October the 26th, they have the Kingston Trio. Oh, my goodness. Who have been playing, well, in some variation of together for almost 65 years. Is the Kingston Trio sort of like the Glenn Miller Orchestra? I mean, Glenn Miller's not with us, obviously, anymore. Hasn't been for a while, but the... Correct. Okay, so these are not... No. Right. But the name has moved on. Absolutely. And I'm not sure if there's any original members left or not, but I'm going to find out because I have an interview scheduled. Okay. That happens on the 26th. Showtime is 7.30 at the Faulkner Center on campus in Fayetteville. Tickets are $30. And then they have singer-songwriter Aubrey Logan coming February 24th. Trombonist, singer. Yeah. Yeah, I like that combo. Yeah, me too. Also this weekend, if you didn't get enough of the Format Festival last weekend, this weekend's Hillberry. Oh, that's right. At the farm in Eureka Springs. And they have Yonder Mountain String Band and Railroad Earth and Opal Agafia and Friends of the Family and Rachel Ammons. And you get the idea. $70 for a one-day pass, $215 for a four-day pass. Mm -hmm. Not bad. And you can find out more at hillberryfestival.com. Also today at 8 o'clock, an old friend of mine, Sean Harrison. Yeah. Singer-songwriter, talented fellow. Making his only Fayetteville appearance of the year, he says, at 8 o'clock at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. So his only appearance, and it's in a little bit of an intimate setting. Yeah. And he's, he's just a great guy, plus mm-hmm. a great musician. And also this weekend, okay, everybody hang on. Mm-hmm. Grab something. Junk Ranch is this weekend. Today and tomorrow, 11195 Center Point Church Road in Prairie Grove. You know what Junk Ranch is. Fun upcycled stuff. 5 to $10 admission. Saturday is the Harvest Homecoming from 8 to 6 on the downtown square in Harrison. Uh-huh. And the Asian Pacific Islander Celebration from 10.30 to 4.30 at Five Star Productions on 8th Street in Fort Smith. On Sunday, Sunday Music with Woven at 1 o'clock at Terra Studios. Mm-hmm. Amanda and I happened to go out and see them. And they do wonderful, largely a cappella, kind of witchy music. Cool. And they're a lot of fun. And then at 2 o'clock on Sunday at Crystal Bridges... Artists as Changemakers with David Rubenstein. Yeah. That's $15 at crystalbridges.org. Becca Martin-Brown features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Historic Cane Hill, in partnership with the Arkansas Archaeological Survey, presents Archaeology Day, a free event October 8th, allowing visitors to participate in activities to learn about archaeology and the artifacts of Historic Cane Hill. HistoricCaneHillAR.org for more. The band Olympics has had a presence on the local music scene for a few years now, but they've only recently released their first EP. The self-titled release is available on all streaming services, physical copies in production. The band's members, Kevin Luano, Tim Robinson, Daniel Warner, and Charlie Crutcher recently stopped by our Furman Garner Performance Studio to talk with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis about the EP. They also performed a few tracks from the album, starting with Another Night.
half of the material on the EP is stuff that we've been playing for probably three years now, mm-hmm. I would say. And then the other half is stuff that we've made like with Tim here in the last six months or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just kind of a, a mix-up of some really old ones. So I think Kevin kind of had the idea to, to blend a little bit because when we started out, we definitely had more of that dream pop style that we were going for. And then later on, it turned into more post-punk. New wave. Yeah, new, new wave. Stuff. But yeah, we just blended both of those. It can actually happen... In my opinion, very quickly. I know they've been playing together since I think it was 2019. You guys started, right? Yeah, yeah. So when I came into the mix, I mean, there were, you know, we we tried to nail down a couple covers just to have those for live performances, Mm -hmm. and then there were slowly some songs that I would learn with them as I'm trying to find myself fitting in with the band because I kind of came into it not really knowing a lot about. Um, the genre, <laughs> which doesn't sound good. So at a certain point, I, I think it took maybe three or four months to really get everything completed and ready to record. So in the grand scheme of things, not too long. Yeah. I mean, you caught on pretty quick. I mean, that's the reason you were asked to join us is because, <laughs> yeah, I knew you were like very, you know, good technically and whatnot. But yeah. And that helped us create new stuff too yeah Yeah, because the three tracks that we wrote with tim were another night rose garden apart in rose garden and those are definitely up there on like my favorite ones to play but Mm -hmm. we were talking one day that if we didn't have tim synth like i don't know that we would even done anything with those songs but i think really the album or the the ep really came together once tim came on board and i think that's when it kind of inspired us because, you know, again, we had been playing these songs for a long while, and so it kind of put some new... That's um, why we, like, left some off is because we were just yeah. tired, tired of playing yeah, them. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Actually, yeah. like, coming into this EP, we actually axed a few songs that... Asked, we axed a lot. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> we we kind of started fresh and just kept what we felt were true to us, and then, mm-hmm. gosh, what, over a year ago, Harry... From Bonsai uh, had mentioned that he would record us, and we just didn't really have money or <laughs> anything like that, so we held off. But then I don't know if you got into contact with Harry again and yeah. kind of set this thing up. But. Yeah, he'd been, I don't know, he just told us he wanted to record us, and you know, he's great at what he does, and he, you know, tracked and mixed everything super quick yeah that that guy is very talented and he took all of our suggestions for the mix well all of your suggestions <laughs> yeah. <for the mix. laughs> um and yeah if you have not heard bonsai florist you should check him out too because Absolutely. he's also an amazing musician and plays like oh, yeah. every instrument and i don't understand people like that so i would say like yeah after after tim got here that really helped us with songwriting for one and then Harry, honestly, he had some inspiration on us whenever we were recording. I know we had messed around with a couple tracks. We just changed a little thing, some little things up that he thought would be cool, and we agreed. So, yeah, yeah. it was a. I mean, realistically, we worked on this thing, and I mean, a little over a month. Really. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the thing is, the only reason why it was a month it was because of us. If anything, if if it was up to Harry he probably would have finished it in a weekend yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he wanted to <laughs> yeah I think he wanted to uh, <laughs> he's a busy he's a busy man for sure yeah. but um, he actually he also helped us a lot like there were certain spots where we were unsure of how to I guess create like a bigger more full sound and he really helped us fill that sound too so yeah well y'all played a release show for this record recently how does it feel to actually have this out living and breathing in the world? So good. Again, a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. Which it was, it was kind of funny because these are not new songs that we're adding to our set list at all. Mm-hmm. But we played the Georgia show, and just we just got so much nice feedback from people about the EP and everything. And it felt like it was a brand new show. It felt mm-hmm. like we were playing a lot of this stuff for the first time. Yeah, it was just a mm-hmm. like to, really to see that come to fruition, and not just like the EP, but the band in general is just like the best feeling ever and the the day that we released the ep like everyone was just so supportive and i was like blown away by all of the feedback that we got it was was really cool to see so what's next 
honestly, I think we're already ready to make more music. I mean, I am for mm-hmm. sure. And I think now that we're a bit more acquainted with the process, I think it'll be a lot easier and it'll probably be a lot quicker. One of the things is that I absolutely hated having to tell people that for the long time that we didn't even have anything to listen to. Mm-hmm. And then we <laughs> yeah. finally released you know, our first single. And then after that, that was... If you go on our Spotify, it'll say, By the Wire released 2020, and then Daydream released 2021, and then this EP released 2022. Mm -hmm. So for the longest time, I feel like it was difficult to show people what we had, what kind of music we played Mm -hmm. until the EP released. So that's also a big weight off of our shoulders, I think. And like Kevin and I were talking earlier, and just having this whole process behind us, it's kind of like just a clear mind to where you know we're not worrying about making sure things are updated or things are cleared or you know that the ep is just it's out there and now we can really just with a clear mind focus on making some more so mm-hmm. we're definitely ready we've been sending some ideas back and forth that we're ready to work on yeah and then i just wanted to add and i'm pretty sure this kind of speaks for all of us but just want to throw a big thank you out there for everybody that has checked it out and has just really given us a lot of nice support and nice words about the EP. We were proud of what we did, but again, a lot of that stuff is just stuff we played for years, so I think when all of the feedback came in, it was almost... We didn't expect it, yeah. Yeah, it it wasn't expected. It was just really nice. Yeah, all the support we've received has been... It's just been, like, absolutely continued support, especially, you know, there's some people that have watched us since you know our first show and that even you know our first single and continue to come to the shows and we really just we appreciate every single one of them and okay, thank you enough yeah
Kevin Luano on guitar and vocals, Charlie Crutcher on drums, Daniel Warner on bass, Tim Robinson on synth. Together, they are the band Olympics. You can find them on Instagram at Olympics Band. They are playing a show this Saturday, that's tomorrow, at the Hopout DIY Space in Fayetteville. Joined on that bill by Bonsai Florist, Way Away, and J.W. Francis. You can find out more about the show on Instagram at Hopout underscore DIY. Ian continues on its path. We have the latest on the storm and recovery. Also, Russia's annexation in two Ukrainian villages. And some comfort amid all the gloom. Don't turn that like a wet mob because it still stays with you. You up to break the yoke. Jacques Pepin cooks. Yeah, I have nice yolk here. Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend edition tomorrow morning from 7 until 9 on 91.3 KUAF. Thank you, everybody, who contributed during this fundraising month to KUAF. And thank you for helping this public radio station stay strong, independent, and able to share the voices, experience, and events of where we live every day. Ozarks at Large is ending, but stay tuned. We've got a lot of great entertainment for you tonight. We will have Beale Street, Beale Street Caravan coming up. Then Paul Kelso and the Generic Blues Show, produced right here at the Carver Center for Public Radio, followed by Robert Ginsburg and Shades of Jazz. And if you ever miss one of our locally produced uh, music programs on the weekend, just go over to KUAF3. All of them have encores there. You can find a schedule for KUAF3 at KUAF.com. And by the way, you can listen to KUAF3 at KUAF.com by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF3. You can use the free app for iPhone and iPad as well. All right, this is 91.3 KUAF. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Jasper. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors to this evening's program included Timothy Dennis, Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics, and Becca Martin-Brown, the features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Additional content for tonight's show came from Daniel Carruth and Jacqueline Froelich. You can hear Daniel Carruth, by the way, deliver news from around the region and from around the state from the Karen Taha News Studio every weekday morning at 5.30 and 7.30 during Morning Edition. Timothy Dennis produced tonight's show inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Timothy will be back with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. Oh, and by the way, thanks to everybody who contributed, and thanks to our friends Joel and Lynn Carver, John and Kay Duvall, and Canopy NWA, who made fundraising during Ozarks at Large even better this September. I mentioned that Timothy will be with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. The whole gang returns for Ozarks at Large at noon Monday for a brand new week of shows. Be safe this weekend. Beat Bama.